0: I think it's a lot about feelings. I think people approach design in different ways and I very much approach it from an emotional sense rather than a, a mechanical sense.
1: Hello and welcome to the final episode of Young at Art for our first series, the new arts and culture podcast that puts you in touch with a variety of established names and rising stars from the worlds of art, fashion and interior design, who are shaking up the industry and redefining the idea of what it means to be a tastemaker today. I'm Harry Stevens, your host, and today I am so delighted to welcome the brilliant interior decorator, designer, entrepreneur and businesswoman Sophie Conran to the podcast. Sophie is the founder of her eponymous line, the Sophie Conran Shop, her online emporium, which features a whole range of items for every room of the home in her signature style. She has been in the interior's world for decades and has worked across food and fashion and design as far as Australia. As the only daughter of the legendary designer Sir Terence Conran, who changed the face of British design in the 20th century, she is following in his footsteps as a leader in interior design. Sophie lives across Wiltshire and London and has two grown up children, Felix and Coco, who are the third generation of the Conran clan to work in the design world. I have been familiar with Sophie's name since my parents bought her now iconic white porcelain collection that she designed for Port Merion, and I grew up using items that she has designed. So it really is a treat to have her here today with us. Sophie thank you so much for coming on the podcast today it's a joy to meet you and it's so exciting to have you here with us first of all where are you speaking to us from today where are you in the world I can see behind you a rather beautiful room
0: well first of all I'd like to say thank you for all your lovely words and what an honour it is to be here and this morning I'm at my place in Wiltshire I don't know if you can see that's the garden
1: Oh, gorgeous. Ooh, gorgeous.
0: Pulsating with life. Yes. So I'm in the country, which is lovely, all full of birdsong and flowers blooming.
1: So peaceful. I love it. Sophie, I want to start today's episode by asking you about your home, Saltrop House, where you are today. Your beautiful Regency home with all the hallmarks of an incredible English country house. You know, large sash windows I can see behind you, a swirling drive lined with daffodils as we speak to you. I can't talk to an interior designer without talking about the home, of course. And you moved there, I believe, seven years ago and have since lovingly restored the house, putting on your signature style on the interiors. We will get to that in a moment. But firstly, Sophie, do you remember what it felt like the first time you walked into the house? What did you make of it all those years ago?
0: Well, I'd been looking for a house for a couple of years and I'd seen hundreds of houses. And I really wanted a renovation project and really beautiful architecture. So something I grew up in a house with big windows. So that was important to me. Uh, We saw some amazing houses, but this kind of ticked all of the boxes um, I wanted to develop a garden. So, and there's huge potential for that. I've done, I've started. Yeah. So I think it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful house and I feel very lucky to be here.
1: And how did you, do you approach the house when you, when you bought it? What, what was the first thing you thought, you know, I'm d- really going to have to change this or, 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 you know, alter this. What did you start with when you, when you got the house?
0: Well, when I moved in, I kind of lived with it for a bit but it had been with the people that had it before for about 17 years and they hadn't done a huge amount. And before that had been a sort of restaurant with rooms, a sort of b So there was a lot of exit signs and kind of strip lighting and acres of nylon carpet. So I kind of peeled back the layers and looked tentatively at what was underneath and then had some furniture and bits and I just kind of spend lots of time at antique markets and antique bric-a-brac shops collecting things so I've kind of filled it with those the way that I live and the way that I have my family and friends here that kind of influences it plus the architecture has kind of made it what it is.
1: So beautiful and are you in your office today I can see behind you a lovely lovely view paintings just describe if you can that the room that you're in today you're talking to me from.
0: So the room that I'm in is actually the sitting room. So I've got a table by the window, a round table by the window, and this is where I work from. Um, It's got two big sofas and very high ceilings with beautiful architraves, big windows, paintings. You can see the sofas there. It's got a beautiful fireplace and it's wallpapered. I used to do a wallpaper range with a company called Art House. And it's one of the wallpapers that I did. And it's you can't really see, but it's actually got a texture to it. So it's got a little kind of very, very subtle gold spot. So it just gives a bit of movement to it. So it's not great big flat walls.
1: Sophie, tell us about some of the things that you're working on in the house and garden at the moment. Am I right in thinking that you're not finished with the renovations and you've still got things to add to and, and change?
0: Well, I wanted a project that I could continue for my life. And it's definitely going to take that (laughs) So um, I'm doing lots of work on the garden so lots of plans for the garden I've got a big vegetable garden I got a magnificent greenhouse last year which I love which is all filled with pelargoniums which look and smell amazing Um, and I am slowly sort of carrying on picking away at you know the, the hall there was there's a spiral staircase, a cantilevered spiral staircase. And it was covered in white gloss paint um, and also a kind of red nylon carpet. And I was watching The Phantom Thread. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a film with Daniel Day-Lewis about a fashion designer in London, a kind of Devery fashion designer (laughs) set in, I think the 40s. And it was filmed in Fitzroy Square On this magnificent stone staircase. And all the way through the film, I was thinking, I think I've got one of those. I think I've got one of those. So after I'd finished watching it, I tore up the carpet and started scrubbing. And there it was, and took all the paint off the balustrades. And it's absolutely spectacular now. And it's got a fan light over the top. So it has lovely light in there. There's my bedroom bathroom, I'm going to extend. So that's the next big project that I'm going to take on. And of course, there's structural work to do which is not so glamorous.
1: <laughs> it's these old houses. They, they eat up our time, don't they? Which would you say is your favourite place to be in the house and the garden? What's, what's the place that you really kind of sit there and think, oh, this is, you know, this is what makes it all worth it, all those years of work?
0: I really like hanging out with the chickens, actually. <laughs> I've got some beautiful little bantams and they're so sweet um, and funny. So, yeah, they're great.
1: Oh, that's brilliant. And... Um, when our listeners hear this episode, Sophie, it's going to be the summer. What are you looking forward to seeing happen in your garden throughout the summer this year? What do you, What is something maybe you've tried that you haven't grown before that you're really excited to see bloom when, when our listeners will be hearing this?
0: I've got a rose arbor, an antique rose arbor last year, and I've planted roses on it. So it's going to be all covered in amazing roses. One of the roses I choose is called the Maid of Kent. And I lost my aunt last year and she lived in Kent so it's a kind of a little honor to her as well so I'll oh. look forward to taking a cup of tea up there and sitting under the roses.
1: That is so lovely and this kind of brings me nicely to find the question but why is the outdoors do you think so important to you because you do share lots of pictures on Instagram um, of your lovely garden why is the outdoors and being in the countryside and being with nature so important to you in the way that you live your life Sophie?
0: Well it's just incredible it's kind of mind blowingly brilliant. Every day it changes and it's beautiful. It kind of puts your mind to rest. It makes you feel exhilarated. And um, there's always something going on. You know, there might be a little deer out there or there's birds. I've got a rookery at the end of the field and there's thousands of rooks there and they do this thing where they kind of dance in this amazing murmurations, it's called, um, or they'll all fly really fast over the house. And you're like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, there's a lot out there.
1: That's such a lovely story. Sophie, if I was to give you an unlimited budget to transform a part of your house, what would you do with the money? What would you add to your home that you haven't done already? I know you mentioned a few projects earlier, but if I gave you an unlimited budget, what would you do with it at your home?
0: Well, I would build a kitchen, actually, because I do not have a kitchen, proper kitchen yet. Uh, I've still got the one that I inherited and it's, um, you know, I do a lot of cooking, I love cooking and it's kind of in a thin corridor. So I would open it out and um, yeah, that's what I would do. Have my aga, have loads of old dresses and it would be a very kind of warm and friendly place with lots of creativity and gorgeous things from the garden all my fruits and vegetables from the garden. So yes, that's, thank you very much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And going back to the house, Sophie, obviously you've been in Interosina for so many years and you've worked at some amazing spaces. What do you think we can learn from the designs of history like your home? You know, your house was built 200 years ago. What can we learn from these old spaces in modern life?
0: Well, this house is particularly gorgeous because of the windows and the spaces that have been created. Um, It's very sort of um, uplifting. It feels very happy. And the flow of all of the rooms is really beautiful. So it considers the human being very much, both in those elevated ceilings and the amount of light you get. And then there's, you know, the detailing. It's not all very kind of boxy. You have suddenly got this little thing that will catch your eye around the windows or in the fireplace that are charming and make you feel good. I think they're just kind of sweet little motifs. So I'm trying to enhance that as best I can, but you know, preserve it at the same time.
1: I can't talk to you without mentioning your father, Sir Terence Conran, a man who changed the face of British design forever and your part of a really creative family you've had an incredibly varied career working across interior design mostly but also in fashion and as you mentioned food and I'm sure our listeners would love to know this where do you think your love of design and creativity comes from Sophie is it from your parents or is it somewhere else do you think that you got it from?
0: It's definitely from my parents you know every conversation around the dinner table well not every conversation but a huge amount of the conversations were look at that glass look at this bit and look at that bit and the color and how it's made and so and it's infectious I mean he was an incredible enthusiast as was my mother so my mother was a huge influence on him and his career and everything as well um and it's also incredibly enjoyable you know is if you surround yourself with things that you have considered it enhances your life doesn't it So I try and do that with what I do. Um, And there was always an, an amazing amount of energy. The house that I grew up in, we moved there when I was about six. And it was a building site. So I grew up on a building site. And there was always loads of projects going on. And he had his studio there as well. So there was incredible people around. And we would have people to stay from all over the world that he worked with. So yeah, and things would arrive in the house and we'd all analyze them and get very excited. And there it was, the seed was sown and it's gone rampant.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, it's such a lovely story. Thank you for sharing that with us, Sophie. You've had a, as I said, a really kind of multifaceted career working across lots of different things. What do you think has been one of the best projects you've worked on that really has shaped you into who you are and how you design today? Oh, that's a tricky one. It's a bit of a hard question, isn't it? Sorry.
0: Uh... <laughs> Well I guess the project with Port Marion um has been incredible they've been amazing to work with and they really gave me free rein and I had lots of ideas and we we ended up doing a technique that had never been done before so I think and that's ongoing you know we continue working together which is fantastic so I think that that project has just been the best thing um It allowed me to sort of get some of my thoughts into something tangible. When we first started talking, I looked at what was on the market. And as humans, we strive for perfection. And we had managed to do that in tableware. So we had perfect things. Ikea was selling a perfect plate, all designed on a computer. And, but it had lost this, something had gone. And so I wanted to reintroduce a couple of ideas. One was that it's mud and it's been formed by the human hand and the human is not perfect. And so to get that, those imperfections in there. And then also the plasticity of the medium. So the plasticity of the clay, how it can be manipulated and how it also does its own thing sometimes so when I was growing up we used to go on holiday to France and we would stop in Limoges which it had a big porcelain industry still does and we would go to the factory outlet and we'd buy the plates that had gone wrong in the kiln and they had these wonderful characters each one was different so that kind of threaded into the whole tapestry of the project so yeah it was great
1: I really would love to speak to you about your shop, your eponymous Home Emporium, the Sophie Conran shop, which I mentioned at the beginning. Now, you set it up in 2013, I believe, and you're the director and founder of it. And it's grown into a one-stop shop for everything for the home, your living room, kitchen, garden and bedroom, brimming with items that reflect your design journey throughout your life. The objects sold there have featured in many glossy interior magazines, I'm sure many of our listeners read. Sophie, what was it that made you set up your shop nearly a decade ago? What, What made you want to start your homeware brand?
0: So I was working uh, with lots of different companies, Port Marion, Arthur Price, doing kitchenware, doing gardenware, and they were sold wholesale to lots of shops around the world. And so I wanted a home to bring everything together and sort of knit it together, so fill in the gaps. Um, and so I wanted it to be seen as a collection and not just... Bits and bobs all over the place, so that was the kind of idea in the first place. Yeah,
1: and tell us more about how the shop works. How do you curate the items, Sophie? That you, you know, how do you decide what to sell in the shop?
0: Well, we look at what our customers like, and we try to give them what they like. As uh, but we do mood boards every season, um, and then we go and source products. So I've just got back from Paris. I was in Paris last week which was amazing in the sunshine. It could not be more glorious. Uh, and we find manufacturers, um, little factories. We work a lot in India. So we've got an ongoing project in India where we design things and have them made and sampled. So that's always happening and things that I love. It's filled with things that I love and have would, would have in my home, like these panels, which are all handmade in India by generations of men. It's called cruel work. And it's the third, I think third or fourth generation of them doing it. Wow. So I like working with artisans a lot because again, having that hand element and supporting them, not losing their trades as well.
1: That's very important, is it not to lose that kind of family history as well, I suppose, with with the artists yeah. that you work with? And am I right in thinking, Sophie, that you and your team design most of the items that you sell, or do you outsource at all to anyone else with when it comes to kind of who will who will design the objects that you sell?
0: Yes, you're right. Most of it's designed by us. We have um, some of it which like Port Marion and the gardening tool range that I do with Bergen and Ball. And then a little bit is selected off the shelf. So if we find something really wonderful, then we'll bring that in as well.
1: I love it. So it's a real mixture of things. And what's next for your shop, Sophie?
0: Um, Well, we've got a very successful range of scallop bed linen, which we do in a rainbow of colors and we're adding new colors to that. So that's very exciting. Um, Then there is We work with a fantastic Egyptian glass blower. So working on some new pieces in glass, candlesticks and little vases, which is super cute in a rainbow of colours. And I'm off to Brussels for a day next week to go and find Christmas decorations.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing, because you obviously have to start so far in advance, don't you, for something like Christmas, you know, you're probably doing it in the summer. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, photo
0: shoot is always on the hottest day of the year. (laughs) guaranteed (laughs) you're sweating in your Santa outfit
1: (laughs) (laughs) and what do you think Sophia the three things from your shop that everyone should own quite a quite a a range of things you can't see what people you know what the houses are like but what do you think of the three things everyone from your shop should own
0: well definitely the Marion collection because it's I think timeless and versatile and suits all different interiors and can be used every day. You can dress it up or you can dress it down. The scallop bed linen that I mentioned, because it's so charming and it's such beautiful quality that it makes getting into bed a real treat. You know, that kind of moment of like, oh, it's bedtime. (laughs) Um, So, yes, and then because of all the different colours, it works into different interior schemes. So, you know, you can add pops of pink or yellow or orange or... So, um, that's great. And then the third one is one of my planters. I do these amazing stripe planters, and it's just to bring a bit of the garden inside. So always have some herbs, some flowers, something around. like the circus has arrived.
1: <laughs> what a lovely picture. thank you Thank you so much for sharing that, Sophie. I'd really love to talk to you now about some of your inspirations, some of the people and places that inspire you. Who do you think are some of the people in design that really inspire you the most or someone you've thought, you know, really helps the way that you create objects for the shop? Who can you just tell us a little bit about those people?
0: Carol Bamford, I think is a goddess. I love everything she does. It's a kind of, it's quite holistic in her approach. She has great homewares. I don't know if you've been to Dalesford and seen what they do there. So great homewares, fantastic atmosphere. She's got it right back to the soil. So she is an idol. Um, there's a woman called Karen Hibbert who has a place called Time and the Ox Barn. And again, it's a sort of similar thing. She's got huge vegetable gardens and beautiful gardens. She's also does watercolors. Um, that she gets printed on lovely linens. So I think she's very inspirational. Um, Then the land gardeners who are doing flower arranging, but they're also doing something with compost. And they've got a book called The Land Gardeners. Beautiful book. And their interiors, her interiors are stunning. um, The way everything's put together. Is beautiful. So, yeah, those are my top three, I think.
1: Yeah, I share the land gardeners with you. I really, really enjoy their, the way that they work. And again, like you said, the soil and kind of going back to nature, all really important. Where are some of the places, Sophie, that inspire you? You know, you've been to lots of places, I'm sure, for work, as you mentioned. Um, where are some of the places that really inspire the way that you design?
0: I think being inspired is something that you have to feed all the time. So, I go to quite a lot of museums um, and I also love traveling. And You know, anything can pique your interest, but you have to put in as well as put out. So visiting a stately home, wandering around the gardens is wonderful, particularly since I've got this project here, Um, how things are put together, how it feels. Is it too stuffy? Is it too mothball-y? And yeah, just... Travel, feed it, books, magazines, people, keep meeting new people, having interesting conversations.
1: I can't have you here on the podcast, Sophie, without picking your brains for your tips and tricks for a more beautiful home. Listeners, get your pens and paper at the ready. Um, When our listeners hear this, as I mentioned, Sophie, it will be the summer. Do you have any advice for how our listeners could prepare their home for the new season? What do you do in the summer you're really excited to do this year?
0: Well, I eat outside a lot. So I've got a table outside and we kind of transport the kitchen outside. And that is my favorite thing. And then we take all cushions and rugs out there. We have a table with a marble top that we turn into a bar. Some of the furniture from the house goes into the garden (laughs) and we kind of move it around. We might have it in different places. I've got a big pile of straw hats if it's too sunny. And yeah, loving being outside with what's going on. I think it always feels great. Absolutely. Uh, Inside, I grow a lot of flowers, so it's always filled with flowers Um, and the fruit and vegetable that I grow, which get turned into the meals.
1: (laughs) Do you have a favorite flower, Sophie, that you just think is your absolute favorite that you love to grow?
0: I'm rather partial to roses. So (laughs) I'm looking forward to rose season very much. I love their fragrance. I love their form. I love the delicacy of them. So yes.
1: Mm, I have to agree. They are the nicest flower, aren't they? What advice would you give to someone who is trying to find their interior style but hasn't found it yet? Where do you think they can look and find their own style, do you think?
0: I think it's pretty easy these days. I I think it's in there already. I don't think it's something that you um, can be too prescriptive about. Everybody has their own style. It's just about having the confidence to express it. So start putting together images of your favorite things and fill your house with things that light you up. So I just buy things that I love. And most of all, I find a place for it. Sometimes I go out thinking I must find a bedside table or something Uh, but it's at the back of my mind and then I'll go and buy something completely different (laughs) Pinterest is great Instagram is great follow people whose style you really enjoy pick up ideas from them if you're looking at Instagram there's so many brilliant people to follow you might find that you love Paisley you might find that you just adore Stripes so just keep on as I said before feeding it And the more you put in, the more will come
1: out. Absolutely. Who are are some of the people that you love following on Instagram, Sophie? Tell us about your feed. What what does it look like?
0: A lot of flowers, mad birds from all (laughs) over the place, Uh, interiors, so lots of interiors people, lots of people who deal in antiques. Um, It looks pretty colorful. I could find my phone and tell you my favorite object underscore la underscore ny pinot three bravo flowers 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 <laughs> isabel bannerman she's a garden designer but she's also got an amazing house charlie mccormick
1: oh yes love him yeah he's, he's great
0: Henry.
1: such a great array thank you so much for sharing pleasure really good advice i'm sure lots of our listeners will be itching to get their phones out and will be looking to see who you follow now sophie <laughs> what do you think are the most important things to consider when you're designing a new interior space, especially with, I suppose, your great experience in your own home, what are the most important things do you think to think about with someone else's home and what they, you know, if they're not sure where to start, where should they begin?
0: I think you think about how it's going to be used. And I think about how you move about the space, what kind of atmosphere you want to create and how you make the best of that space because spaces can be really tricky and they're not always the way you want them to be. And then sort of peel back the layers and then add your own style. I think mostly it's about how it's gonna be used because that is what it's for.
1: Absolutely. and. Just before we do some quick fire questions, I've got a final point to ask you. Sophie, what does a, a typical weekend look like for you at home? Talk us through what you're drinking, who's coming over, what are you cooking? What is a weekend like for you at home?
0: Often I have a lot of people, I like to do a big Sunday lunch. And if my son is here, we've got an amazing barbecue from a company called Country Fire Kitchen. And it is a sort of South American barbecue. So it's this great big metal thing. And we cook everything from the garden on it. So roast leeks and um, the last thing we did was some quail on there. And that is fun because everybody stands around the barbecue and has a chat and has a kind of interest in what's going on. When I normally have drinks first. So we will have champagne and little cheese biscuits um, that we make, and that's very nice. And then dinner, uh, if it's nice, we'll eat outside. Uh, But if it's not as nice, we will eat in the dining room. And it's all laid up with tablecloths and, you know, the whole thing, masses of flowers, always. Yesterday, what did I do? I went and picked some wild garlic, um, made some soup, wild garlic soup, which was pretty good. Um, went for a walk in the woods with my dog, Mouse.
1: I'm really glad to- you brought your di- up your dining room because it's such a beautiful space. Just, just describe to our listeners what the room is and what it means to you.
0: It's a real luxury, actually, to have a dining room because it sort of transports the eating experience to a special occasion. It makes it feel a different. You know, we all love to eat and cook and everything in the kitchen, which is wonderful, but then there's, it makes it special. And it's a place for me to really play with all of the ceramics that I collect and the cutlery and the napkins. I have lots of napkins. It's something I love um, collecting and different tablecloths and, you know, I like to make it really sparkle. So I use lots of metallic things like silver, little beakers that the light bounces around, masses of candles, which I do in different colors. Um, Yeah, it's, it's fab, it's a fab room. It's got lots of light coming in, amazing views over the garden. In the room was an amazing Venetian chandelier which was already there. And so I went to Venice and I bought some wall sconces and had some mirrors made to go behind them again, to sort of reflect the light around the room. Um, yeah, it's a special room.
1: It's lovely. It's such an iconic dining room and a room that really inspires me. So thank you so much for sharing that. That's Sophie. That's perfect. Finally, we're onto the quick fire question round. So I've got three questions for you. Some quick fire mm-hmm. questions. Sophie, do you prefer summer or winter?
0: Summer definitely summer I love being outside I feel somewhat constrained in the winter there's not so much to look at yes summer thank you <laughs>
1: <laughs> and where do you think home is for you London or Wiltshire
0: it's wherever I am
1: wherever you are it, Oh, I love yeah that. and what's better for you inside or outside
0: well, I couldn't live without either <laughs> I just, you know i've got one foot in and one foot out
1: that's lovely thank you so much sophie for speaking to me today it's been so lovely to have you on the podcast and as i said it's such a privilege for me to meet you i'm i'm so such a huge fan of yours so i'm really really glad you could come on the podcast thank it's you very so much honored to
0: have been invited thank you very much well done you really fantastic
1: Thank you so much for listening to the final episode of Young at Art in this, our first series. I have loved having you here. And as always, please do follow the podcast on Instagram at Young at art Podcast. where you will get updates and inspiration to keep you going until we release our second series. A huge thank you for this week's guest. And if you want to know more about them and what they do, please look at the show notes of this episode for more information and links. And if you liked what you heard today, Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and press the notification button so that you'll be notified when a new episode goes live. And if you've stuck around for the whole series, then I'm so grateful for your support. And if you have any feedback or would like to suggest someone that I could speak to for the next series, then please don't hesitate to contact. I look forward to hearing from you. You can also find contact information on our website as well. A huge thank you to Beatrice Ross for creating our cover art and also to Maggie Talabart for writing and performing music.